Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Fullen. This time, what it's like being freelance for motion designer and creative editor Stu Demby. The main thing with freelancing is you need to build trust with your clients. It's not just that they'll come back and use you, it's that while you're working with them, certainly the biggest challenge, um, managing the cash flow. And if you get a couple of clients who don't pay you for three months at a time, then it's like not getting paid for six months. See something that blows your mind, you're like, oh my God, I've got to, got to find out how to do that. It's just seeing things that other people are doing and thinking, Christ, I don't know how to do that. I better know, better know quick how to do that. So before we get chatting to Stu, let me just remind you, you can find out all about this podcast at beingfreelance.com. Follow us on Twitter at beingfreelance. Uh, really nice to hear from you. If you enjoy it, check out all the other episodes that have come before. Illustrator, photographer, TV presenter, web developer. And the thing is, it doesn't really matter what they do. Uh, I think loads of the experience that they give crosses the different creative industries. So uh, it's it's more about being freelance, hence the name. Anyway, check it out, beingfreelance.com. Subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher so you definitely make sure you get the next episodes. And if you enjoy it, please do leave a review. It helps us get found um, other than boosting the ego, clearly. Anyway, let's get chatting to motion designer and creative editor Stu Demby. Hey, Stu. Hello. After getting name-checked in last time's episode with Nikki. What an honour. That's a great honour. <laughs> so let's start about your freelance journey, if we shall. Like, How did you get into being freelance? How have you ended up where you are now? Uh, it's a very good question. Um, yeah, I, I started uh, after, after university, obviously. Um, I got a contract in Bristol designing an interactive television prototype, which was a time when interactive television didn't exist. So that that's that's that was sort of the start of it. We um, had a three month contract, and off the back of that, I was offered a, a bit of freelance work. So this was probably two thousand two thousand and one, um, teaching After Effects in the Shetland Isles, <laughs> which was a slightly strange first job um, as a freelancer. And and th- and then I, I spent the first year out of university beyond the three-month contract trying to get freelance work with After Effects. The, the funny thing was by the end of that first year, I discovered that I didn't really know enough. I didn't have enough industry experience. I didn't know enough about the TV industry and decided to try and get a bit more experience the traditional way and and go and run somewhere and make tea for people more important. Uh, so I, I sort of carpet-bombed Soho with my CV until one of the uh, post-production houses took me on as a runner. I started learning about what, what the actual industry was like. I covered a lot of ground in that first running job and um, was there for about seven or eight months when somebody pointed out that there was an opening in a graphics post-production house as a runner uh, just down the road. I decided that that was the direction I wanted to go in, having sort of been focused on editing until that point. I took a pay cut actually from I think I was on eight and a half, eight thousand seven hundred and fifty a year, and I went down to eight and a half thousand, which is a bit gutting. But uh, yeah, it was it was sort of worth it because the, the amount I'd sort of absorbed and learned in that environment was um, sort of going to set the tone for the rest of my career. It was sort of a bit of bouncing around from freelance to running before I actually sent my CV to a a company in Islington who were looking for a junior designer and went back up to 12 grand a year 
and and that that was that was interesting. It was it was a good place to develop. Definitely the sort of work that I would, was interested in, uh, albeit in the corporate world rather than broadcast. So uh, I sort of thought I'd end up working in broadcast, but the the only openings were really in corporate design. And it was an environment in which you had to kind of teach yourself. There wasn't really any mentors on hand who could who could sort of bring your level my my level up to the level that I would was aiming for, if you like. So it was there was a lot of reading books um, about After Effects and design and reading forums. And so the the end the end results were sort of quite varied because you're sort of learning from text rather than from actual visual examples of, of how to of how to kind of do things it had it had a lot of pros and cons but I, I ended up sort of seeking seeking the broadcast environment again um and that's really i guess why i decided to 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 go freelance again in 2005 and and sort of get try and get back into the broadcast side of things which is a bit more artistic um, so yeah, that, that's that's really how I got to freelancing. I'm, I'm, I think this is the tenth year, tenth year of freelancing. Man, congratulations! <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, so a key thing from that is obviously that you you kind of took a step back in order to educate yourself to get to where you wanted to be. Yes, yeah. And the fact that I guess today, like, there's a wealth of stuff on YouTube teaching you how to do After Effects or whatever well, it might right. be. I'm really quite envious of the guys coming to it today. Uh, one site in particular, Video Copilot, which is just phenomenal. The, the the amount you can learn from that, and the the, the sort of step by step handholding that that um, it can it can give you um, for what is really quite a complicated bit of software. It's 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 a world away from from when I started out. So um, yeah, I, I wish I wish I'd come to it a bit later. Really. <laughs> so now that you you've been freelance for those ten years, how do you go about finding the work? Are you doing you know long stints for agencies or, or production houses or whatever, or is it? Yeah, I um I, I've never really used an agency. I, I sort of enrolled in in one one agency some years ago. But the they wanted me to become pay as you earn on their books uh, for a lot less money than I could earn freelance, uh, you know, just just uh, getting the work myself. So I, I, yeah, I, I never really pursued that avenue. But uh, my yeah, my my main sort of recourse for finding clients is is to use uh, there's two websites I use. One is Film and TV Pro, uh, who post jobs quite regularly, and Mandy.com. Which is one of these is really well known. They, without fail, post you know two or three jobs a week, which you can apply for. Uh, other than that, it's it's really referrals. So working with other people, uh, swapping details, getting you know, referring them, and then they refer you, or you know, it depends really. Um, but referrals has been my main my main recourse and word of mouth. So do you actively seek those referrals, or do you leave it to chance? <laughs> I'm not as much as I should do. I've I've sort of left it to chance a lot. Um, I yeah. Every so often I'll have a drive. I'll, I'll go on a bit of a drive where I'll I'll try and build up a few contacts and uh, and send out my CV. Uh, but really, it's it's a case of who you, who you already know and who you've met working on other jobs. 
Um, and that, yeah, that's really stood me in good stead for, for things that have come up. Yeah, I guess if you're good enough, you'll, it, it will work for itself. And you, you have to keep that communication going with those people, I suppose. Um, yes, yeah. Um, the funny thing is, I mean, I'm working for a guy, I've been working for a guy recently who came, I, I got referred to by somebody I used to work with in a staff position. And she'd actually been on his books for 10 years. And he'd never had need to use her because he works. He'd sort of his his uh, speciality is print, and um, so he'd never he didn't really do video very much. But um, but he'd he'd had her in mind for ten years before he actually phoned her, but had her details that long, and she couldn't take the job and referred myself onwards, and um, and th- and then he's become a client of mine, um, and you know it's, it's things like that, and you kind of. So I've got a long list of people I need to return the favour to, or I'm in the progress of returning the favour to. And it's it's uh, it's a bit of a juggling act in a way. How have you coped? Um, you you know you've got a decade under your belt. How have you coped with the financial side of it? The the financial side is is probably the biggest challenge, as it were. Having a big overdraft really helps. Uh, if you can get your bank to give you a bit of an overdraft. A reasonable rate, then then you'll be all right. Um, unless unless you're working every day, I mean, on my on my day rate, my current day rate, I should be. If I was working every single day, I would be on about sixty grand a year. But the the, the fact is, it just doesn't work out like that. It never works out like that. Um, you, there's always jobs you turn away. There's periods where you don't work. Um, you know, it's it's not a constant stream. The hardest bit is actually getting people to pay you. Most people, or maybe 50-50 is, 50% of people would pay you within 30 days, which is the standard terms. Uh, the other 50% like to string things out to three months and six months. Uh, and if you get a couple of clients who don't pay you for three months at a time, then it's like not getting paid for six months. So it's having the faith that they're going to pay you eventually. <laughs> um and and just trying to make do in the meantime uh i mean i i do put on my invoice uh interest will be charged on any days over 30 days um i've I've never used i've never you know kind of resorted to to charging a client interest because because it, it it sort of doesn't it's not good for relationships client relationships but that is certainly the biggest challenge um managing the cash flow yeah, man, that is tough. Like three, you know, thirty days is tough enough, isn't it? But um, yeah. but three months in particular. Do you know it's going to be three months before you do no, the job? No, this is the other thing that it's. It, you know, you, you can you can contact clients and um, and and ask them for a definitive date when you're going to be paid, and which makes things easier to organise um, at your own end. But uh, but people are very shady about it. They, they, they don't like to say why they're, you know, why the cash isn't forthcoming. It's usually a cash flow problem at their end because their client hasn't paid and they mm-hmm. won't pay until they've been paid. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a knock-on, hasn't just a knock-on effect that they can't, they can't really give you a definitive answer because they don't know. I guess. Yeah, it is so tough. It's that because it's that whole production process where you're providing part of something and then it isn't until a bit later, I suppose, that they've finally got the whole thing together and then further on that their client is paying right 
and unfortunately you're bearing the brunt of that that's right that's right yeah. we're, we're the first to get the work out the door and the last to get paid <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know with that in mind is has there been any would you well because i was going to ask what's your biggest challenge i mean that sounds like a heck of a challenge in itself is there anything else um yeah, yeah i get I, I think i think um uh, because obviously we we get, we get jobs where where there's several of us working on a on a on a project, um, and there, equally there are jobs where we work uh, by ourselves and are completely autonomous. But uh, the the jobs where you're sort of going into a new office every month, uh, I think I've had about forty or so clients over the past ten years. Um, it's like being the new boy at school every single time you go into that office. And, you know, I mean, they don't, they don't necessarily throw, um, soggy paper at you, but they, um, <laughs> you're not part of their, their culture until you've been there a few weeks. And that, and that, that can be quite hard. Yeah. I think, I think I end up just, just going in, doing the work and going home, um, until it's, until such a point as, you know, you've, you've had a few conversations with people and, um, and, and, can can contribute to the culture a little bit um the the other thing i've i think i've found a challenge is the the amount of redo loops that we get asked to do so somebody can somebody can set you a blank canvas brief and say right come up with something absolutely fantastic it's going to blow the client's socks off um and you do it and then they come back and sort of say Oh, we just need to insert this paragraph of text. He's <laughs> sort of pulling your hair out, thinking, "Well, how come, why wasn't that done at the beginning of the uh, of the job?" And that happens almost without fail every single job. There's, there's one or two exceptions, but uh, yeah, they, I think uh, those are the two, well, two, three biggest things: the cash cash flow, new boy at school, and the uh, and, and redoing work. They're, they're the biggest things, I'd say. And the thing is, you can kind of try and get them to communicate and like get a definite brief beforehand but th- th- that kind of always ends up happening yeah yeah um there's two things two parts to that really you can you, you have the best of intentions and the client has the best of intentions at the beginning of the job they want they, they essentially say right yeah produces something fantastic but um but what they actually want is the same as the competition so whatever's trending what's whatever's trendy is is what they want um but they also want something that's going to be new and innovative the and the second part of that is they don't really know what they want until they see it so so we can you can you can talk in terms of concepts and how this is going to be this and that's going to be that and produce even a few storyboard frames but until that until they actually see the final thing moving they don't know whether they like it or not uh, so that that comes back to the redo loops as well. So if that's a challenge, what's the biggest buzz? What keeps you doing it? I think I think working working with other freelancers is uh, is pretty is pretty good because you, you always learn something. If, if you're asked to if you're asked asked to work on another designer's project, you can bet your life they've done the programming completely differently to how you would do it. But whilst you're going through it and working it all out. You'll, you'll learn something and uh even if you're working by yourself you've got to figure out a way of doing something that you know you, you've got to get your head around those technical challenges which they, they can be quite satisfying when they come off i think learning something new every job is 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 one of the reasons why i sort of retain an interest in in doing it 
and that, and that comes back to the tutorials as well. You learn, you're watching tutorials, you sort of see something that blows your mind. You're like, oh my god, I've got to got to find out how to do that. That's amazing. You see, it's just seeing things that other people are doing and thinking, Christ, I don't know how to do that. I better know, better know quick how to do that. Um, and I, I went to a talk the other day uh, by a company called Dazzle Ship, and uh, the talk he gave was was really fantastic. Um, showed a lot of his recent work and showed kind of how they use the various softwares involved. Um, and I thought, Christ, like, yeah, I don't, this is one I don't know how to do. It looks it looks amazing. And, um, yeah, I, I'd really like to know how to do that. So my job then is to go away and, and find out exactly, you know, how to get up to that level again. So it's, um, but then I, I'm hoping that there's things he doesn't know how to do that I do. So. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's interesting. So it's always sort of staying on top of your game, even if that means working on side projects uh, you know, outside of work. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the side projects thing is interesting. I, I, quite, quite a lot of the people I meet have all got side projects, um, whether they're editors or producers or, or you know, working in illustration. They're, they're all working on their own things. Um, I did that for a few years and and I sort of lost momentum with it a little bit, but I'd, I'd feel like I'll always come back to it. But it sounds like, I mean, even if it's not like a, a side project, which is an ultimate out, public outcome, that you're you're sitting there trying to develop your skills, I guess is what I'm... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was a guy, when I was running in the graphics post house, there was a guy who was my absolute idol. And uh, he, he his design sensibility was fa- just amazing. And his technical kind of competence was fantastic as well. Um, but he used to write a column in in one of the industry broadsheets called Broadcast. Uh, and one of his columns was about the idea of play and allowing your designers time to play in the edit suite uh, in order to come up with new visual solutions and fresh ideas. Um, and that's something I've been sort of obsessed with for quite a long time is 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 how you, you you'd actually um well I, I i'm sort of been trying to write a book over the last five years or so of of how you'd actually uh generate those ideas endless you know be able to generate those ideas pretty much on demand um and i've, I've come up with some really useful things um uh, it's not finished, and <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't release it into the world just yet. But uh, I suppose that's a side project of mine. It's ongoing. Is to is to um, is yeah, basically understand the science, kind of science, the science behind the art, if you like. Um, particularly when it comes to things like serendipity and what 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 makes something that you stumble upon um creative and what you know how did that come about what's the kind of formula for that and how can you use that formula to uh to generate your own creative solutions from scratch and, and that kind of thing man interesting <laughs> come on we need this book you, you can't just now tempt us with that you've got to finish it well I, I'm, I'm trying i'm trying <laughs> i yeah I, uh, I i kind of came up a bit unstuck with the 17th chapter when i was trying to get too complicated with it so i'm, I'm trying to bring it back to basics that's interesting as well like the whole almost like a mentor figure oh yeah yeah absolutely uh, i i kind of had um probably two two guys that that have really inspired me um 
the first is Mike Parry, who, who's the guy I was talking about, and the second is Dal Batia, who also used to work at this uh, place I used to run at. Um, and I subsequently worked with him further on in my career at a company called Ingredient. Um, and I, I, I think they're two of the best guys in the industry. They're really old school, uh, but their design is, is, is just brilliant. I love it. Would you recommend people seek out a mentor or do you think it's more just you stumble across them? Uh, I, I actually, yeah, I sort of sought out, um, Dal, um, at ingredient. I, I actively sought out to go and work with him or wanted to be pulled up creatively in his direction. It does. I mean, it doesn't always work out. He, it, the reality was he didn't actually always have enough time to dedicate to me, but it didn't really matter because I was, I was able to observe the way in which he worked and, and what kind of things he was trying to achieve and, and then brought that into my own work. Um, but I think without a mentor, I mean, most people will probably say video copilots their mentor now the uh, video tutorial website but uh, if you can find somebody to work with who who just has that old school experience i think i think it was a lot you know the, the structures of learning were a lot sort of better back in the day whereas these days it's more about you know getting the work out the door rather than the focus on creativity so um i mean i don't know i mean if if you can find somebody that you 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 do um, admire and would like to to uh, emulate or have the desire to to be pulled up and, and progress yourself then then by all means go and do it but um, it, it might be harder than than uh, just just dropping them your CV <laughs> nice interesting so is there any other um, uh, like book for example you're writing your own is there any other book that you'd recommend to people um, I would recommend How to Be a Graphic Designer Without Losing Your Soul by Adrian Shaughnessy. Um, it's got lots of useful advice for people freelancing. It's got lots of useful advice for people setting up their own companies. Um, and one of the most important uh, tenets of the book is to throw away the last 10 years of your work, which uh, is a gut-wrenching thing to do. But... Um, that that also helps motivate you to um, to keep producing new new things. Really. It, so what when you're sh- when you're putting together a portfolio, ditch most yeah, of it. Is that what you said? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, now can you tell me three facts about yourself or your career? Make two true and one a lie, and I'll figure out the lie. Uh, and it has been pointed out that I never get the lie, so I'm you know, I'm on a mission. <laughs> Okay, all right. I'll try and I'll try and make it easy. Uh, no, no. Don't take pity on me. I'm just saying I'm hungry okay. for it today. Okay. All right. Um the first one would be when I was a runner, I was sent out by a client to get a bottle of Rioja uh for a late night edit. And I ran all over Soho. I ran some, an off license in the north of Soho, the south of Soho, east and west. And in each one, I couldn't find a bottle of Rioja because all they had was Rioja. <laughs> now, that shows how far I've come. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second one, I was working at a company and somebody somebody phoned me, or the, the, one of the directors phoned me from outside the office. Um, I was the only one in the office, and he, he asked me to turn, turn his autoresponder on, on his email. Um, and I... I 
said I didn't know how to do it, but um, I'll give it a go. And I, I clicked this button and, um, and it started sending out the, f- the first 10 emails in the, in the inbox to everyone in the address book, um, <laughs> which, uh, which uh, I, I never really understood the consequences of. Because <laughs> you weren't there long enough. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was pulling the wire out of the wall and everything. I was getting phone calls from people. But uh, yeah. And what's your third one? Uh, third one was on a late night edit with a client. Uh, we were getting drunk, drinking vodka, and um, edits sound good. Riochram vodka. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's uh, quite common, I think. Uh, and we bonded by uh, setting fire to our bottom gas. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going for? Jeez. Oh, um... Okay, now Rioja, autoresponder, and vodka. Uh, two of them have included alcohol. Does that mean you've made up one? Getting a bit psychological about it. Autoresponder, um, Microsoft Outlook is a pig. So that is entirely. I mean, why would you even need a button to do that? But I no, I don't know why it would do that. I'm yeah, not, it's almost like the, the Microsoft paperclip had come up and said, "Would you like me to sabotage your career?" Yeah, and absolutely. I don't think the autoresponder is true. <laughs> I think God bless you. You were foolish enough to not know what Rioja was and not ask. <laughs> and going around all of those offices like somebody off The Apprentice, by the sounds of it. <laughs> the vodka, I mean, is, I mean, clearly you sound a lot more classy, but <laughs> two men together, who knows? Autoresponder. <laughs> I don't think the autoresponder is true. I've got to say the autoresponder is true. No! Um, it's the third one, the, the lighting, the body gas. That was somebody else. I knew you were too... You sounded like too much of a nice boy for that to be true. But then I thought, why would... Ah! Jeez, so you really did screw up the auto... Yeah, yeah. I've no idea. Why Why would they have a button that does that? I've got no idea. Absolutely no idea. That's great. Um, if you could, before we finish, if you could tell your younger self something about being freelance, what would it be? Uh, I think... I, th- I yeah I think the main the main thing with freelancing is you need to build trust with your clients in a way that it's not it's not just that they'll come back and use you it's it's that while you're working with them I think it's important to build trust so it's a case of doing things when you say you're going to do them I was, I was um, working on a job recently where it's, it's very simple. Somebody said, can you get this to us by six o'clock? And I said, no, it will be eight o'clock. And I, I, it's, it's, it's sort of delivering on those little promises and communicating in, in that way um, that, that will build the trust with your clients. And even down to just giving them a good price or, or just being completely upfront. Or if, if, they, if they phone you, answer the phone if they text you text back or you know that kind of thing uh, i think that's probably the most important thing i would i would advise my younger self nice fine advice too thanks so much for your time um, yeah. how can people find you online or are you a man of mystery <laughs> uh my yeah my website is nanometh.net 
and um, there's not a lot on there, but you can. I think you can get in touch with me through that. Uh, otherwise, I'm on LinkedIn. Show notes uh, at beingfreelance.com, which will include lots of the, the different links that Stu's talked about there, as well as uh, how to track him down. Uh, Stu, thanks so much for chatting about being freelance. Good luck. Great to speak. Cheers, Steve. If you've only just discovered being freelance, then you may have missed... Getting to know people is the most important thing you could ever do as a freelance. Personal connections with people, knowing people beyond an email sign-off is is really, really important when you're doing something creative. You need to build up a reputation first. You can't just go in with a high rate and say, hi, I'm here, without proving yourself first. What I've essentially been doing is laying the foundations for this consultancy self-employed lifestyle for seven years by the time I kind of flicked the switch. Find out if you enjoy it first without trying to make money from it because that's a pressure that you don't need. You should really find out if you enjoy it first. Find loads of great interviews at beingfreelance.com and of course subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Please share it with other freelancers or those thinking of going that way and thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Have a great week being freelance.